All right, let's go to Psalm 106. I got verse 33, but we need to read uh, both of them, I think. Let's let's read uh, 32 and 33. Psalm 106, verse 32. And it says, They angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes. Because they provoked his spirit, so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. All right. This is a little different tonight. We're still dealing with a spiritual matter here, but it's like I told you all ago. I was thinking on this message early this morning, before all has happened today. But I'm going to talk about provoking to anger. They provoked Moses to anger here, you know. And he smote the rock twice and said, Here now, you rebels. That's He didn't get to go into the promised land because of that. Because he failed to sanctify the Lord in front of the people. That's what God said. He smote the rock twice. The rock was only to be smitten once. It messed up the picture of Christ. He misrepresented Christ. And he did it because he was angry. And he was angry because they kept, they provoked him. Number of times that the Bible refers to the children of Israel and others provoking God to anger, it's hard to count. I didn't even try to count them. I mean, it's just, they're sitting there so many times. The scribes and the Pharisees, they provoked Jesus. To anger. Mark chapter 3 verse 5, And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. They were standing there. That's, that's the fifth verse in the chapter. And he came to the synagogue, and there was a man with a withered hand, and it was a Sabbath day, and they watched him to see if he's going to heal on the Sabbath day. And so he did. But he was angry. Jesus was angry. They provoked him to anger with their hardness of their hearts. The children of Israel provoked Moses to anger. In the verses we read there, 32 and 33, they angered him also at the waters of strife so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes. Because they provoked his spirit so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. We are charged about provoking our children to anger. Colossians chapter 3 verse 21. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged. And that happens the same way that God, Jesus, and Moses were provoked. What are the, so what are the things that provoke other people to anger? What provokes you to anger? That's what provokes everybody else to anger. What makes you angry? That same thing makes everybody else angry. The, what do people do that make you angry? Well, they get angry at you for the same things. You provoke other people to anger same way that they provoke you to anger. In the case of Jesus, it was the hardness of their hearts. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 5 that I just read there. Hardness of heart. Stubbornness. 
Lack of compassion. That's what hardness of heart is. They were stubborn. I mean, they knew what they was doing. They knew better than he did. They knew better than anybody else did. They knew what they was talking about. They didn't need nobody telling them nothing. They needed to tell somebody something. They were there to straighten everybody else out. Even Jesus. They were stubborn. They didn't have any compassion on this man. Hardness of heart. Then what did we preach about here a while back? Hardness of heart. No feeling. Calloused. It made Jesus angry. It provoked him to anger. Does it to you? When you see somebody that has no compassion, you see somebody that mistreats somebody that's down and out, and they just stomp on them, does that, does that provoke you to anger? Of course it does. Does it provoke you to anger to see somebody mistreat somebody that's hurt already or sick or poor or broken or whatever? Yes, it does. Makes you angry. Makes God angry. Lack of feeling. Hypocrisy. Their hypocrisy made Jesus angry. Them. The very idea of them... You know, being so righteous and holy that they wouldn't, they thought it was a sin for Jesus to heal this man on the Sabbath day. They were so much on the Sabbath. And that ain't what God meant it for. They totally misunderstood it. But they were claiming to be the holy ones, the leaders, the, all of that, and they were so, and these people are the same ones that would, that wanted to kill Jesus. They had hearts full of hatred and, and animosity toward everything and everybody that opposed them or threatened their position or anything. They weren't right with God at all. They were hypocrites. And yet here they stand in judgment of the Son of God trying to help a poor man with a withered hand. And no wonder he got angry. It's a wonder to me that he didn't get angry a whole lot more. And it's a wonder to me that God don't smite this whole world full of human beings who are like that. I can't understand how He can be so long-suffering and patient when, when He is provoked so much. So, they were so arrogantly sure, these scribes and Pharisees were, that they were right and He was wrong. That's hardness of heart. They were so arrogantly sure they were right and he was wrong. While they were actually so lost and blind, they didn't know God even though he was standing right there in front of them. But so sure they were right. In the case of Moses, it was their unbelief. It was their ungratefulness after all God had done for them. Can you put yourself in Moses' shoes? Just put yourself in his shoes. And what he'd been through all of his life. And then for the last months or whatever it took for him to go back to Egypt and go through all the plagues and all of that and to lead them out of Egypt. And I mean, they're just getting started. And then they're like this. After the Red Sea parted, after the manna fell, after Egypt's destroyed behind them and and here they are griping and complaining and accusing him and accusing God and wanting to go back to Egypt. (sighs) Mercy. Ain't no wonder Moses was angry. You think God understood why Moses was angry? I do. Sure do. But God's God. And Moses let his anger get the best of him. Boy, that's hard not 
to do, ain't it? We're going to talk about that in a minute here before we get done. But Moses was angered because of their unbelief, their ungratefulness, their cowardice, their fear, their selfish concerns. It all was about them. They had to have water. They had to have food. They had to have comfort. They had to have their needs met. They were had to be assured of everything all the time. A bunch of whiny, faithless, weak. Sure would have been good if there had been some of them that had just stood up and been men and been strong and stood with Him. There were a few that did. They weren't all like that, but there was, there was enough to cause this problem to provoke Him to anger. He was, he, he was provoked because of their rebellion and they're falsely accusing Him and blaming Him and God for their troubles. It makes you angry when people do that. But it's your fault. If you hadn't done this, we wouldn't be in this shape. That's what people do, don't they? What does it do? It provokes you to anger. Don't solve anything. In the case of God... They provoked him to anger with their wickedness. The Bible says over and over and over. Just plain old wickedness. They provoked God to anger. Do you know God is angry with the wicked every day? He's angry with them every day. Your sin provokes God to anger. Sinners need to realize that. God don't look at you and say, oh, you poor soul, you're, good. you're a good person, you just don't understand, I wish you could understand, I wish I could get you to listen. That ain't the way God looks at it. God is provoked to anger by your sin. By our sin. They provoked Him to jealousy with their spiritual adultery as well as their physical adultery, which was wickedness. But I mean, they provoked Him to jealousy. Well now, if you're jealous, are you angry? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Jealousy is the rage of a man. And you can't stop. You can't appease it. You can't stop it. You can't satisfy it. You can't buy it off of him. He won't be satisfied, though thou give us many gifts. He's going to get you. Rage. They provoke God to jealousy. <clears throat> provoke God to jealousy. Mm -hmm. Look at our country. I wonder if any of those senators and congressmen, I wonder if it crossed their mind today when they was running to hide that just day before yesterday, was it? They prayed the prayer and mocked God. Yeah. Prayed, to, prayed to multiple gods and then mocked Him at the end of that A-woman stuff. Yeah. The world's going to find out there's a God in heaven and He's... Uh, yes. And they're going to find that He's not what they thought He was. They provoke Him to anger with their unbelief and their rebellion the children of Israel did to God over and over and over. So, here's a question for us to consider here. <laughs> you ask yourself, do I provoke others to anger? You need to think about that. Don't you think that's a good thing to think about? What about your siblings? What about your wife? What about your husband? What about your family? What about 
other people. <laughs> well, we need to take a good, honest look at ourselves and search out our hearts and our words and our attitudes and our interactions with other people and see if we do any of these things that provoke God to anger, provoke God to jealousy, provoke Moses to anger, provoke Jesus to anger, do we do any of them things? If they were done, I don't want to provoke God to anger against me. I don't want to provoke anybody to anger. You shouldn't want to either. I mean, it's something you ought to want to avoid. So we've got to take a good, close look at ourselves. There's so many ways that we can provoke one another to anger that we can't even possibly cover them all. But there's this, and I'm not even going to try to, but just you go home and think about it. Trying to impose our will or our opinion on others is provoking. What's happened in our country? What was that all about today? What is all that about? Provoking and provoking and provoking and shoving and shoving and shoving and shoving. The provoking has got to stop or it comes to bloodshed and death. You know, I was listening to some of them goofballs today on them liberal news media and stuff and it's just like listening to a bunch of children who don't have their all their mind even. I mean, like they don't even realize the reality of life and what happens when you just keep poking and prodding and slapping and kicking and shoving. I mean, you're just going to do that so long and He's going to bite back at you. And the nature of things is this, and I've said it before, and it's absolutely true. We've got all these people that just go out and riot and loot and burn buildings, and they can get away with that. They don't even try to stop that. They're they're just exercising their rights and all of that. Good people won't fight until they absolutely have to. And then when they do start, it's no stopping. They fight for a cause and they fight for their life and for their children and they don't, they don't just slap around and have a good time and loot a few stores and go home and get drunk. It ain't a game with them. And they don't want to and they resist it and avoid it until they cannot. They'll let you shove them and shove them and shove them and shove them until you just shove them up in a corner that they ain't, then it's got something to be done. That's what's happened. And most, and this feminized generation don't even realize human nature and how it works, even though it's all around them. But trying to impose our will or our opinion on others, that comes down to a personal level too. You know, if I try to make you do something, it's going to provoke you to anger. If I try to make you believe, what I believe, see things like I see it, you'll resent it, it'll provoke you to anger. By criticizing others and finding fault, that provokes people to anger. It always does, without fail. By talking about others and their faults to others or slandering them for some real or imagined deed or trait, that provokes people to anger. Now, to provoke, 
The dictionary says it means to call into action, to arouse, to excite. Well, now that's a positive meaning there. But the other part of it is to make angry, to offend, to incense, to enrage, to provoke. Yeah. It's like when you, uh, you got a dog and he's already mad and he's a mean dog and you just keep poking at him and poking at him and poking at him until he's just foaming at the mouth. And if he gets off his chain, he's going to bite you. People are the same way. If you keep prodding and poking and yanking at somebody, they'll eventually turn on you and they'll give you some of your own medicine. Always remember that. Proverbs 17 verse 14 says, and let me see if I can quote it right, it says, but uh, the beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. Leave off contention, therefore, before it be meddled with. I mean, it's like when you start letting out water. you know what that means? You can't stop it. The things about us that provoke others to anger are the things that we have the hardest time seeing in ourselves. Hardness of heart is especially hard to see in ourselves. Because when your heart's hardened, you're blinded. When your heart's hardened, it's it's uh, it's it's we uh, it's hard to see in ourselves because it is that absolute certainty that we're right and have all the facts that we need in order to pass judgment on other people. That's what hardness of heart is. You're just sure you're right. You settled. I mean, I've lit somewhere and I ain't moving, and that's what it is. I, the world is how I see it. When you stop being willing to examine everything that you think or believe, yes. then you got a hard heart. Right. You've not attained a new spiritual level where you know more than everybody else. You just got a hard heart. Exactly. And you don't it's hard to recognize it in yourself. Unless you really search hard, unless you really come honest. Our selfishness and our pride are also nearly impossible for us to see in ourselves and are not and acknowledge about ourselves. It's hard for us to admit we're proud or that we're selfish because we just really don't think we are. Remember that old song? It's it's stupid and it's funny, but it says it just how people really are. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. <laughs> so, because we're so determined about it, justifying ourselves in everything, it's hard to see our faults, the things about us that provoke other people to anger. Doesn't pride in somebody else provoke you to anger? It hurts you. Yeah. Pride's the only disease that makes everybody sick except the one that's got it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Makes you sick. Yep. See somebody hold her head up, strut, look down their nose at you or anybody else. 
It provokes you to anger. You'd like to slap them, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd like to humble them. Mm-hmm. Our hypocrisy is hard for us to recognize in ourselves because we're blind to it. But other people can see it very, very clearly. Hypocrisy. It's inconsistency. It's being so picky about some things and then blind to other things that are equal or just as bad. That's hypocrisy. It's condemning something in somebody else and doing the same thing yourself. Maybe in another form. Mm -hmm. But that's a sign of hardness of heart because you're not thinking. And you don't see yourself as you really are. And as other people see you, you see yourself as the model person. They're about to look to. Here it is. If you want to be perfect. (laughs) That sounds ridiculous, but honestly... That's the way most people really do feel. If you could just boil it all down to the bottom line, that's exactly how they feel about themselves. I got it together. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I believe. I know what's right. I know how to do it. I know what everybody ought to do. I know how you ought to do. You just need to listen to me. It provokes people to anger. If we simply become thoroughly honest with ourselves, we can make some improvements and correct some of the things that offend other people and provoke them to anger. It's a sin on our part when we provoke other people to anger needlessly because it may go ill with them because of it, mm-hmm. as it did with Moses. Uh, road rage. What's that all what happens a lot of times? Somebody gets killed. What what happened? Well, provoking, provoking, provoking. So we'll give account to God for the damage caused by our provoking others. You need to think about that. He said it went ill with Moses for their sake. God held them people accountable for what happened to Moses too. It's a sin on our part. Now, so we'll give account. Now, here we go. This is a spiritual matter. Because the verse says they provoked His Spirit. Did you notice that when I read that verse in Psalm 106, verse 33? They provoked His Spirit. you got to think about it. Anger is more than just a passion of the heart. It involves the Spirit. There's something about anger that is different than other emotions and things and passions anger takes control of the entire person when it is provoked and it's hard to get back in its cage when it's loosed you hear me anger's like that it's almost like liquor does you and they call liquor spirits you see because it, it it's something else takes control of you It gains control of the reins. And anger does that. When when you're provoked and and you turn it loose. That's what happened to Moses. They provoked him. They just said it one too many times. And so here now, you rebels. 
So it takes control. And that's why it causes great damage. And it's not something uh, to be provoked or turned loose. You don't want to provoke somebody to anger. Make somebody mad. Well, I really made a man. Better not be provoking people to anger. And I'm telling you, it's a practical thing for the time we're living in. It's just plain old good advice. You better not be doing it. I heard about a guy yesterday that got shot out on the road, out on the gravel road. This, this cause. Probably the person that shot him was scared. May have been angry. I don't know. what. But I'm just telling you, you, you just cut somebody off on the road or you pull out in front of them or you make some gesture toward them or something like that and uh, <laughs> ain't no telling what will happen to you now. You remember Fernando and the bus? Remember? That bus cut him off down there in Mexico, one of our neighbors. He, that was common but to get cut off in the traffic. But he said that bus cut him off and he said he's seen the bus driver lean out the window and go, <laughs> He said, I had a gun. I shot his tires out. <laughs> well, he said he came home and said it wasn't long the police showed up at his house. And said, well, what happened then? Well, he gave them some money and they left. That's how it works in Mexico. Kind of how it works here too. You provoke people to anger and somebody's going to get hurt. It ain't a game that you play. It's something that we ought to be aware of and responsible about. The other side of the coin, well, I wanted to say another thing here too. That's why the person who provokes to anger shares in the guilt of the bad consequences. As much as life in you, if it be possible, what are you supposed to do? Live peaceably with all men. Don't provoke anybody to anger. Even your own family. Don't provoke your children to anger. It's not a way to train them. The other side of the coin is that a child of God is not easily provoked. I mean, Moses was the meekest man in all the earth, the Bible says. It took something. To rouse him to that point. You ever consider what a load he had on his shoulders? Do you ever wonder how he could lay down at night and sleep peaceful? I don't know if anybody's ever had such a, a burden as he had. A responsibility as he had. And then what he had to put up with. And you know, right after that, I think if you read, uh, I was reading more about it, and maybe it was in another place, but right after that, God was ready to kill them all. He said, I'll just destroy them all with a pestilence, and I'll make of thee a great nation. And then Moses interceded for him. After, he, after they provoked him to anger like that, he interceded to keep God from just killing them all. God was angry too.
First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. This is the love chapter, charity chapter. The Bible says, Charity in verse 5, Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, and thinketh no evil. Someday, I'm going to preach on that. I've been thinking about that for a long time. Thinketh no evil. Charity thinketh no evil. Not just speaketh no evil, thinketh no evil. So, charity, if you don't have charity, what else matters, right? You can give your body to be burned, you can do all this, everything you can do, but if you don't have charity, it's nothing. And charity is not easily provoked. So a true Christian can make no excuse for a short temper or for being easily offended. A real Christian shouldn't have their feelings on their sleeves. They shouldn't be so easily offended. I mean, these people that come to church and they hear one word and, that I say or somebody else says and they're offended. You know what I believe? I don't believe they're a true Christian. Or else they are like the first Corinthians chapter 3 Christians. Are ye yet carnal? I mean, the only way I can talk to you is talk to you in carnal words because you don't understand anything spiritual. What am I supposed to think about you? Paul said. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Anger resteth in the bosom of fools. It's right there. People that are angry at the drop of a hat. People that are angry all the time. People now, they have anger issues. Well, anger resteth in the bosom of a fool. You get a good dose of salvation. You get God living in you. You're not going to be so easily provoked. Don't mean you'll never get angry. The Bible never tells you. Never get angry. Never says getting angry is a sin. It says, be ye angry and sin not. Jesus was angry. God's angry with the wicked every day. Moses got angry because he got he 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 didn't he didn't he left off that last part. Be angry and sin not. There wouldn't have been nothing wrong with Moses being angry at them people after they provoked him like that if he just hadn't done what he did. When you let anger get control, you're out, you're you went too far. Now you've done lost the deal here. You're unjustified in that. You're sinning. Psalm 119, a true, a true Christian, Christian can't make any excuse for short temper. Uh, Psalm 119, 165. Everybody knows what that says, don't you? Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Provoke them to anger. A true Christian has a, that has matured even a little should have enough patience to endure the prodding, the arrogance, the offenses of other people, no matter who they are. That is a Christian virtue. It's a strength that a child of God has. He can take it. Mock on. I don't have to fight you. That's no way to prove anything. Luke twenty one nineteen. Jesus said this, In your patience, 
possess ye your souls. That word souls is spirit. Like we talked about last week. Spirit. <clears throat> you know, that goes right along with he that ruleth not his own spirit. In your patience, keep, possess your souls. Possess. Have control of. Have, I mean, keep it under control. In your patience, possess your souls. And in that chapter there, Luke 21, verse 19, Jesus is talking about the last days, the days we're in right now. In your, in your patience, possess ye your soul. The word is used in a positive sense in the Bible also. In Hebrews chapter 10, and verse 24, the Bible says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Well, that can only mean by example, by encouraging words that call to action, arouse, or incite. Remember the divination? So, we're to provoke one another to love and to good works. And quit provoking one another to anger. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25 and 26. And that's all I'm going to say. Just read this verse. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. So if you're going to be a Christian, and if you're going to be led by the Spirit, then... Stop provoking one another. Yes. Our country needs to hear this tonight. Need to stop provoking one another. Everybody needs to shut their mouth. Yep. Mm-hmm. Quit being hateful. Yes. I mean, we got to live here together. We don't agree on everything. Now, what do you want to do? You want to try to get along or you want to just go till we kill each other? Because that's what it amounts to. That's what it comes to. That's what it inevitably comes to. Well, where does it start? Judgment must begin in the house of God. It begins with us. If God's people would just quit provoking one another, be an example to those without. Why do people do this? Why do people want to live that way? <clears throat> Leave off contention before it be meddled with. Envying and strife, they go together. The Bible talks about them being in the churches. Anywhere there's and division, that, that word's in there associated with it a lot too. Brings division. Where are we in our country right now? Divided a house, divided. Mm-hmm. We just need right now in these these times that we're living in. We need the basic instructions like this. This used to be a part of everybody's raising. Their mom and dad taught them these things. They learned them at church from by example more than by the preacher preaching on this. The preacher could go on and preach other things besides these basic moral, behavioral things. It was part of your raising. 
Yeah. <laughs> a little bit different in the old days, wasn't it? Alright, let's pray. Father, we thank You. Thank You for the Word of God and thank You for the instruction here tonight in righteousness. I pray You'd help us to take this to heart. Lord, open our eyes and show us. Show me. Lord, help me to not be one that provokes other people to anger. I don't want to do that. I want to be a peacemaker. You said, blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, I want to be that. I don't want to be a stirrer up of strife. And Lord, I just want to provoke to love and to good works. Please help us all to realize the importance of this in our everyday life with the ones we're closest to every day. Help us, Lord, to live in peace and love and and walk like real children of God. And Lord, help us to shine as... That's the only way we're going to shine as lights in this dark time we're living in. Please work in our hearts we go from here the next few days. I pray you'd watch over all of us and give us wisdom and still our hearts and help us, Lord, to keep our minds in the right place <clears throat> and help us to resist the devil and the evil spiritual battle that's going on for our minds and hearts in this deal. I pray you'd help us to keep ourselves pure from this world, even in the situation right now. I pray, Lord, help us in Jesus' name. Amen.